Girl, you could have. What's up, everybody? It's time once again for your favorite show on the entire internet that is hosted by me. Everybody trades. What's going on? I know usually I have a clever thematic transition here out of that song, but you know what? I just like Outcast, so we're just going to go that. How's that for a theme? Music that I like. But here's the theme. It's stock trading. Yeah, that's why you're here. But here's the thing, I I don't have a lot of specific stock thoughts right at this very moment. I kind of want to talk a little more broadly today. And in that, I'm going to talk about honesty. And that's what I hope to really bring you here with my whole entire Everybody Trades brand. Whether it's in my portfolio access, which you can find still under construction, but it's going to be available very soon at everybodytrades.com. Whether it's in this podcast whether it's on YouTube, but particularly with my own professional career. I want to be as honest with you guys as possible. And here's why. It would just be, it would be incredibly easy for me to sit here and act like I'm God's gift to trading and that I I never make a mistake of any sort. That would just be the easiest thing in the world, wouldn't it? But of course, it'd be a lie. No, I make mistakes constantly as I've been going over combing through my trades over the past few years and trying to log them into spreadsheets, what I found is, is, uh, to no one's surprise, I've messed up a lot. I really have. Man, I've made some stupid mistakes over the years. But here's the thing. I'm going to keep learning from them. And and, and what you will notice is I'm performing actually better the last couple years than I ever have before in terms of versus the overall stock market. My performance is getting better all the time. And frankly, my 13, 14, 2013 and 14 years, those were kind of fraught with a lot of experimentation with a lot more short-term trading than what I do today. What, I, what I've really found is I am much more of a, a long-term focus type person in that I need to pick a theme and stick with it through the thick and the thin as long as, as, long as the fundamental cores of the business of my theme that I believe is going to propel earnings higher is still intact. So with that, I've got a very specific thing that I I missed here recently. Those of you who know me well, and if you're listening to this before I've made a huge uh, marketing splash on it yet, you probably know that I'm a huge wrestling fan. Think WWE, Vince McMahon, Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin, all that good stuff. Well, I I also, one of my best friends, I I was thinking about talking to him on on this here podcast about... WWE, just I wanted to talk to him about their business because it sure seemed to me like they they were in the process of of really changing their business as far as they're in a perfect position to capitalize on television deals, a perfect position to capitalize on a lot of different things. I thought, frankly, and also with the cost cutting that WWE has been doing lately that I've noticed in their product, they no longer fire off fireworks at their shows, for instance. There's a lot of rumors that were starting to abound that, gosh, might Vince McMahon really sell this company to somebody like Fox or, or Disney or a large corporation like that? And uh, here's, a, here's a lesson right here. You don't want to ever speculate purely on a company being taken over. But to me, with WWE, there are a couple ways to win here. With good earnings, 
moving forward. Hey, guess what? They have Ronda Rousey now. You guys have heard of her, right? She's one of the most famous female celebrities in the world. She works exclusively for the World Wrestling Entertainment now. That's a heck of a coup. And actually, she performed, as somebody who's a fan of the product, she performed well beyond anybody's expectations at this past WrestleMania. And there's a decent chance she's going to get the women's championship put on her quite soon. And there's a bunch of different different avenues of, of revenue. The biggest one of all, though, is its show in Saudi Arabia. They now have a 10-year deal. I believe the first, they've now done one show in their 10-year deal with Saudi Arabia for like some $75, $80 million or something. They're, they're just banking, right? All, like just no questions asked. Doesn't matter how good the product is. That's just money in the bank, basically. So my point is, is man, I really miss that move, though. I wanted to talk about this with my buddy but that was when the stock was trading like 36 dollars or something like that it had already made such a quick move i'm i'm gotta admit it's now gone up to 53 dollars i'm stunned it's made that quick quick of a move in a month or something like that i mean what a coiled spring i've got to think that maybe sort of the snobbier parts of wall street are maybe dismissing WWE. And what a huge mistake that is. But that just goes to show you that eventually the earnings are going to work out, no matter how snobby the Wall Street types are. It's going to work out eventually. If if you have a real business, don't worry. Just stay in there and be patient. And that's why I tell people not to trade on margin, too. Don't borrow money as long as it's your money and this is money you can hold on to for a long time that you can just keep in a position confidently. You won't get shaken out. And that's very important. It's another thing I've realized. A lot of my biggest mistakes, my biggest losses that I've taken, it's been I panicked out like a little baby. If I would have just hang if I would have just hung in there, ultimately I would have made money. But you've got to keep your conviction. Sell when there's a real reason to sell. When business changes, fine. If if WWE's television deal didn't end up being what I thought it was gonna be or as lucrative as maybe I expected, that's when you sell. You don't sell now because, man, everything is going right for them. Now, maybe you do sell at 53. I'm I'm sorry. Selling at 36 was the mistake before any of this this big news happened. I'm just so surprised at how quick. There must have been a lot of people short the stock that got caught. That's all I can say because I'm, I'm really surprised at how quickly it went up. I'm not surprised it went to 50. I'm surprised it got there a month. That's what surprised me. Speaking of long-term investing, as we all know, Warren Buffett is one of the greats of all time as far as as far as averaging your 20% return every year. The guy does it. He seems to do it on average about every year. He also he had an interest so it didn't surprise me that he commented about how much better the stock market has done in the last few decades uh, performance-wise than say if you would put all of your money in gold. And that's an interesting point. You might think, well, hey, John, you're an Austrian economics type guy. You're always always championing the benefits of sound money, which often ends up being gold in a a realistic way and not just like a paper money. Often gold is what is referred to as, as actual sound money. But I think that's the point, though. See, Mr. Buffett, I think, I don't think it's a fair comparison to say, well, if you'd have put your investment money, quote unquote, into the stock market versus putting your investment money in gold. I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Now, of course, he's correct. If you would have done 
that thing, what I, the latter versus the former there, yes, you would have been much better off in stocks, no question about it. But I think gold shouldn't be looked at as an investment. Once again, it should be looked at as money. So if we look at it in that terms, let's make a more fair comparison. If a gold's not an investment, it's money, then, then therefore, obviously, you compare it to the U.S. dollar. You don't compare it to the stock market. Well, if you'd have had your money in gold since 1971 versus the U.S. dollar, there's no comparison. Gold was far better. I mean, you, you would have... You would have had all of your, your, your dollars devalued by some gigantic percentage, 80, 90%, whatever it is. I don't have the chart in front of me. But gold, on the other hand, has risen quite nicely, at least in terms of compared to the U.S. dollar. You've been way better off in the dollar. So I just think that comparison by Mr. Buffett kind of missed the point a little bit with all due respect to him. But, of course, the biggest news at least in my little world, in the sports world, of which I like to dabble in, is, of course, the Supreme Court's decision turning down the 1992 federal law banning sports betting throughout the United States with exceptions of places like Las Vegas that were grandfathered in and other and a couple other places like in Montana that had set up some, yeah, some weird things that nobody really thinks about. Essentially, it was Las Vegas and nobody else, though. Let's just put it that way. But now, that's no longer the case. Now the states and locals are going to be... It's going to be up to them on whether they want to have gambling or not and what form and how much taxes they're going to collect from said gambling. So we're in a totally different world here. What I think is really interesting about it, number one, I'm very curious to see how what sort of ripples this decision is going to have beyond just the sports betting market. Because frankly, I mean, it's great. I'm all for the sports betting being liberalized and being legal. I think, hey, if I my hard-earned money, if I want to take some of that and go into agreement and make a wager with another person, what could possibly be wrong with that? Particularly in a practical sense, we're talking trading here, right? There's absolutely no restriction on a person taking at putting all of their savings into the options market, for instance, and then losing it all in a month. I mean, really, you'd be astonished how quickly you can lose money in the futures market, the options market, any of these sort of derivative things that people don't understand at all, aren't required to understand by the government. You don't have to take a test to buy options or anything. You basically just have to check a couple boxes and open up an account. There's nothing stopping you from from buying what ends up being 90% options contracts expire worthless. How many of, how many people, how many amateurs are really going to be able to navigate that few months without it getting to zero? I mean, please, that's, that's insane. Let's, let's not pretend like we're trying to protect people from themselves, because if we are, we're doing it quite selectively. Now, what, what's hilarious to me on top of that? After years and years and years of the NFL and these, and the NCAA, of course, the NCAA is still going along with it, but most of these pro sports leagues have been like, oh, heaven forbid, oh, gambling, oh, oh, my Lord, I do declare. Like they start fainting at the very idea of it. Now, all of a sudden, they sort of have seen the winds changing. Like, believe me, all of these leagues have understood that this Supreme Court decision was likely for months. You don't get a seven to two decision in the Supreme Court. 
as a, as a big surprise, you know, months leading into it. Nobody was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? The Supreme Court, not, everybody knew that this ruling was coming, believe you me. The, the big casinos, most of all, and certainly the sports leagues are right there with them. The point is, it's hilarious to me now, is now these leagues are going, oh, okay, well, hey, uh, we'll take our 1%, by the way. <laughs> they want to get their 1% cut from the states now. And not only that, the most hilarious thing to me is Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, put out a statement saying that, yes, we're all for common sense legislation on, on creating a, a regulatory infrastructure for betting really NFL. That's that's fascinating. So let me get this straight. The organization that has 173 different variations and regulations, I'm exaggerating here, but has 85 million different interpretations on what a catch is. We have that could not be more complicated. But apparently you guys have have made your decisions. You're able to make that call. But somehow Oh my God, the betting market. Well, whoa, we're so confused. Congress, please help us. Oh, taxpayers, please give us money to create this infrastructure or whatever. Really, you jerks? Is it not bad enough that we give you tax dollars to create these, monst- these monstrous stadiums that you don't really need? We have to fund your stupid betting infrastructure too? Are you kidding me right now? Listen, I am, I'm 100% fine with people legally being able to bet. But at the same time, I know there are a lot of people that don't like betting at all. It bothers them for whatever reason. Those are just their values. I have absolutely no desire whatsoever to use force or aggression upon them via taxation to pay for my silly gambling habit or anybody else or just my, my hobby. I bet $10, $20 on a game. It's not a habit. It's just something I do every once in a while. You know, that's fine once again, but why should you have to pay for it? If you don't want to gamble, you don't have to subsidize my stupid bets. I mean, in reality, consumers are going to subsidize any kind of infrastructure that is there, but it should be directly the people who are gambling with their revenue, not some forced situation. Again, the stadium situation, same deal. Your tickets are funding the stadium, essentially. We don't need tax dollars. Plenty of money going into the NFL. Anybody want to disagree with that? Please send your hate tweets to add everybody trades. I can't wait. Anyway, I, I digress there a little bit on the NFL point. Get back to what I was originally saying, which is I'm curious if there are ripples in terms of states' rights beyond this decision. And it seems like there should be to me. Because this really isn't about gambling, per se, as far as I can tell. I, I should get a lawyer on this show, and we should maybe I should have this discussion. Maybe I'm, being, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. But it seems to me that if that particular law is unconstitutional, then what about all of the different federal regulations against, say, cannabis? What about immigration laws? What about gun prohibitions and that sort of thing. Shouldn't these all be up to state and local as opposed to federal if that's how the Supreme Court decides that the sports betting thing is? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm optimistic that the answer is yes there. I would certainly hope that the answer is yes. I do believe that decentralization is the path forward for this country. But 
We'll see. I, I, I'm optimistic, but I, I'm also not sure at all. I'd love to talk to some legal expert about that. Some some legal some legal beagle out there. If you want to uh, talk about that, get at me. Email me at everybodytrades.com. Speaking of optimism, I'd also at some point in my life like to believe that the media, the local news media in particular, will not just blindly follow and believe whatever law enforcement says on any topic. It's really quite bizarre. For instance, there's this story out of Austin, Texas. Uh, Recently, a fairly young man, I believe he's in his early 20s, who has now been uh, sentenced to 13 and a half years for shooting a police officer. But it's not quite as simple as it sounds at first glance here. You see, this guy was middle of the night and the police decided based on here let me pull up the article here i know i have it let's see it says this man was in his house and it, they they raided his house in the middle of the night they break in no knock whatsoever granted they have a warrant that's based on some snapchat videos where they believe that this man whose name is Tyler Harrell they believe that he is a drug dealer just based on seeing some some weapons, uh, some drugs in these Snapchats. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know Mr. Harrell, of course. I don't know what he's up to. I have no clue whatsoever. But when these, this SWAT team decides to break into his house in the middle of the night, his mother lives in the residence. She is terrified. She starts screaming. There's people in the house. There's people in the house. So this guy gets his AK-47, which, again, I don't know at first glance. I I haven't been able to discern if he has this legally or not. So I don't know about that. The point is he then shoots an officer in the leg. You know, once he realizes that they're police, he stops shooting. Of course, they arrest him, yada, yada, yada. Now he's in trouble for shooting a police officer. I'm not really, I I don't know what this guy, what Mr. Harrell, I'm not really sure what his deal is, but this is just one of so many examples of the, of these SWAT teams using insanely aggressive tactics for what I, for absolutely no reason that I can tell whatsoever. Let's break this down. Obviously they know where Mr. Harrell lives. So what's the point of breaking into his house in the middle of the night? How about you guys just uh, back off a little while and wait for him when he's in his slippers going out to get the mail or going to his, maybe he has a real job, I don't know, or whatever he's going out to do, going out to see his buddies. Just sneak up on him and, you know, do something. He's not going to have his AK-47 in his hands then, I'll tell you that right now. I mean, do you? this is for your all's protection as much as anything. What? First of all, I'm not a drug law guy. I think I'm a property rights guy. I'm not saying that means drugs are good. I, I try to make this clear. This isn't a pro-drug argument. It's a pro-property rights argument. Doing drugs can be a horrible, bad, destructive decision. You know what's even worse? Breaking into people's houses because they own a plant. Now, again, Mr. Harrell might be a bad guy. I don't know. But the idea that these Snapchat videos are enough to say, oh, well, it shows drugs, cash, and guns. Again, cash? Really? Having cash is enough to bring suspicion upon a human being now? I, I find that very dubious. Now, of course, I was... I was uh, 
I, I was criticizing the WXAN in Austin here. This story is just kind of ridiculous the way they, they present it here. Once again, you've got my classic pet peeve in this story. It says, Harold, who was 18 years old when he was shot, when he shot at police, at SWAT officers with an AK-47 as they raided his home with a narcotic search warrant, claimed he did not know he was shooting at police. Now, notice they say, Harold claimed he did not know something. Then later on in the story, they say, prosecutors said the videos prove he was dealing drugs. How biased is that? So wait a second. Harold claimed something, but prosecutors said something. What kind of nonsense is that? If we're gonna, if we're gonna write, if we're just gonna assume that this guy is guilty, that's very that's very biased language to me. I, I don't like that at all. And frankly, I think they should be ashamed of themselves for writing like that. We're, we're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty in this country. And I understand that that's that's a guide for for justice and not necessarily the media, but I'd like to think that our media has some of the same ethics. I went to journalism school and I, I thought that's what we were supposed to do. I didn't know that we were supposed to presume guilt of people, whether the Justice Department, no matter what they say in the end or not. Because I've seen so many instances, it's not like the media, they they go through all the time these people are on death row and, and rightly clear, clear these people of, of crimes. So why do we just suddenly, in this case, why do we just accept this? I, I find that very confusing. Finally, and I'll close it out with this particular thought. As you guys can tell, if you've been listening to this show, I, I'm not big on conventional wisdom. I'm certainly, I'm at least for challenging it. I'm at least not for blindly accepting it. And one thing, I've had this experience very recently. I, I've had the good, positive experience of, of dropping about 30 pounds uh, in the last couple of years. Like when I got married, I weighed about 265 or something. And now I, as I speak to you today, I'm a solid 230 at six foot seven. So that's not too bad for my body type. I'm pretty svelte, relatively speaking. That's all good things. And my point of sharing this story with you is I had been told my whole life the wrong things to eat. And it was mostly based on the government's food pyramid that they put out. See, this, the focus was all about, hey, eat your grains, eat your heart-healthy grains, and all this nonsense. Hey, whole grain, that's better for you, but watch out for that steak. Watch out for that bacon. Watch out for those eggs. Well, it tur- don't get me wrong, I eat veggies too, but it turns out that's actually the opposite advice that you want if you want to lose weight. If you want to be healthy, in my humble opinion, as far like to me, being healthy means being at a decent weight, first of all. And for me, I know that when I'm 35 pounds heavier than I am right now, I'm not as healthy. There's no doubt about that. Basically, what I learned is from this celebrity trainer named Vinny Tortorich, and you can find him online very easily. Uh, at Vinny Tortorich on Twitter. I'm trying to remember what his book is called. He has an excellent book out, too, and I would highly recommend it. Basically, his whole philosophy is called the no-sugar, no-grain diet. Basically, if you cut out anything that has sugar in it, even things like fruit juices, and you cut out your grains, suddenly you're going to start losing weight, and it ends up being true. 
but there's so many years of propaganda that has propped up grain farmers, in my opinion, unnecessarily. Even people, really smart people, this anecdote from Drew Pinsky, who's of Loveline fame, he's of, of Teen Mom fame, Celebrity Rehab, that sort of thing. Well, he knows Vinny. He knows Vinny Tortorich, too. And for years and years, Vinny had been trying to get him on this diet. And suddenly, now Drew is doing it. And, he, and Vinny was like, what's the deal? Why are you doing it all of a sudden? Of course, Dr. Drew goes, oh, well, a doctor told me it was okay. <laughs> So it's just funny that people, they need an expert, like some like certified expert to tell them that things are going to be okay. I would tell people, use your own judgment and, and please work on your own judgment. Open your eyes. I, I just, it drives me nuts the way people just accept things that are, that are, that are not even, that don't even make sense, that, that don't actually hold up to any scrutiny. Why do we do that? Why are people so silly? That's the question I'll leave with you. Until then, I'll see you next time on Everybody Trades.